You there? Hey, buddy. What's going on? How's it going, Austin? Good. The, uh, this this thing is recording already. Um, okay. But like, I, I can edit some some shit out if you want to start at All a right. certain point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. This, this is so cool, man. Like, I, yeah. me and Rudy never utilized this system when we were doing our podcast, and I just saw this thing on uh, on YouTube how to do this. So. Oh, there you go. How you been, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. Cool. So, listening, I'm interviewing the the future Austin Watts. Uh, he is uh, a shooter that I've been prophesizing about for some time now. The prophecies are all coming true. Austin is who I, in my personal opinion, with no pressure, Austin, I think Austin's going to be one of the best pro shooters in Northern California at some point. <laughs> so how are you doing, Austin? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah. You staying there? Uh, COVID free over there? Yeah. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. So uh, what the most recent event you shot was Cougar Mountain. Yeah. And you shot yeah. the ping pong ball challenge with, uh, with Bet and Tate. I did, and bet you hit that ping pong ball. You must have hit it right to get to the shoot off. I did, but I spent like fifteen dollars to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they took they took my wallet. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny, dude. How okay? So I gotta ask: when you're shooting that ping pong ball, uh-huh. are you aiming at the ball and then following it up and down, or are you Heck leading it, or what? Heck no! That's a good way to give yourself target panic. Hell yeah, dude! That's exactly what I was thinking. I just the way I did it. Entered the mass of movement and just kept my pin there. Yes, dude. I just averaged it. I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna aim for the middle of the float and fucking rip it." This is when I did it fucking years ago. Oh yeah, you know how hard it is too to not want to punch it as soon as the ball stops moving up and down. (laughs) It's at the peak or at the valley of the the float. when it just sits there nice and perfect and you're like just go off just go off, just go off. <laughs> well that's I, cool man so appreciate it over a dozen times before i actually hit the dang thing <laughs> so how did you end up shooting at cougar mountain uh i shot pretty good i shot a 918 so damn dude <clears throat> so whatever you were working on seems like it's it's been working it was actually kind of a, a well, it wasn't weird, but I uh, I've been shooting a button for the last probably three years now, two uh-huh. three years, and Cougar Mountain was the first shoot in three years I I shot an entire tournament with my hinge. No way. Yeah. So, and I you also told me you were going to switch back to your uh, your HPC, right? And that's the first tournament I've ever shot with a click. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was a little, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of expectations. I do uh-huh. like the, the course and I know it's a, a fairly easier course. So it's decent. Cool. It's decent. It would be. I, what do you think the easiest course is? Oh man. Would it be, uh, the Fresno Safari? Well, the thing about Fresno is, is it could have more difficult Shots, they just are very uh, gracious on their dot sizes. Dot size, right? So yeah. I always thought Cougar Mountain was like one step up or two oh. steps up from the easiest. 
Yeah, I'd never shot Fresno before until this year, and uh-huh. I definitely think that Fresno is one of the easier courses I've ever shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be harder. They just they have big dots for that course. Right, Yolo's um, pretty easy because it's Yolo's so pretty easy. Yolo's right up there with it, but for the most part, Yolo has correct dot sizes. Yeah, correct dot sizes and wind. Yep, they have wind. The night, the only thing that Yolo has is no elevation. Everything's flat. Right. So it's also you, got uh, Rubio pressure too. Yes, the 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 Sensei Rubio pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure cooker effect. So, dude, yeah. so you shot a nine eighteen just just rolling your you busted your hinge out and just were like fuck it let's do this. Pretty much, I I just was. Uh, what made you go to a click? Uh, well, I've, I really don't know why I did it. I just, uh-huh. um, I know how to use the click the right way. And since I've broke my target panic, I've just never done it. And I just, I guess I was kind of afraid to do it, but uh-huh. I was like, you know what? I got this. I know how to use the click. All I have to do is come to my click and then just pull through my shot. Like I normally do. Uh-huh. Maybe it'll give me a more solid, uh, you know, t- shot timing. Uh-huh. But- was used to with no click um is that the proper way is that considered the proper way is like you come to anchor do you greet the target and then relax the click and then execute or how how do you do it so as i as i draw back and i come into my anchor a lot of people actually leave the same hand tension so some people kind of ball up their knuckles while they draw the bow Uh and then they'll just kind of roll the release till it clicks and then come in their shot so because I set my release so slow, the way I activate my click is I actually stretch my fingers and relax my hand until it clicks. So I have okay. a relaxed hand when I go into my shot. Very interesting. I just relax my pointer finger and, and my other fingers until it clicks, and then I start my shot process on pulling through. Do you um, When it clicks, do you start right away, or do you like you know correct your aim and then – and then get it going. So kind of how I how I do it, like I said, I, I kind of draw. And I used to draw a, a lot higher over the target. Not a sky draw, but uh-huh. I used to come down slow. Uh-huh. I've been more so drawing kind of just a little bit above the target. So I have something to come down onto. And, uh-huh. and I'm already looking at the target. As soon as I come into my peep, I'm still relaxing my hand till it clicks. And about the time I can see through my lens is about the time it clicks. And then I just go, bam, straight into the dot. And nice. focus all my aim on the dot while I'm pulling through until it goes off. Because the thing about it is, is you know, you you do want a faster shot timing, especially right. when you're running a lot of weight like I am. You need that faster shot timing. Right. You know, you can't run you know tons of weight and then have a super slow shot timing. So Austin, do you come in to click about the time you're coming into full anchor? Yep. I as soon as I as soon as I anchor. And I get my nose on the string. It's all. It's just relax my hand. It just open it up until it clicks. Hell yeah! So I don't do anything with, uh, you know, because a lot of what happens with back tension shooters, especially under pressure, is they lock their pointer finger up. Yeah, that's so. That's my what happens to with, me. Like, yeah, specifically. Yeah. So my whole method with relaxing, you know, I'm letting that finger allow. You know, I'm. I'm ex- extending my pointer finger and allowing that pressure to be relieved, which is going to li- rotate that release until uh-huh. it clicks in your hand. 
it doesn't feel like you're rotating, but as you relax that pressure, the, the tension that you have on the back wall is going to pivot that release in your hand till it clicks. Right. Right. You're, you're actually like pulling that, that release. Like the way I picture it is you're pulling your release into like an invisible, like pole in the ground. And then you just keep pulling and it rotates around this pole or like this, you know, circular thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not stoned. I swear. It's just uh, <laughs> whenever we get into talking about stuff like this, I get real um, kind of like stony talk. I guess you get artistic in your in your descriptions. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, so let me ask: when you shot a button, did you also relax your index finger? Yeah. So that's another. It's harder for me, and and especially on buttons, like. I don't know what it is, but if I don't shoot my bow for a week and I go and pick it up, my shot timing is horrible. I can't figure out my release. You know, it's just really hard to stay consistent with it. My hand gets so easy. I can pick it up and no problem with my eyeballs closed three years later, be able to go out and shoot it good. Yeah. But I have found that to shoot a button better, having the same kind of uh, routine that I have with a hinge is better because when you relax your hand, you're relieving all that pressure to allow the release to to work correctly and, and your shot be so much smoother. And also, when you're when you're balling up your knuckles and or or relaxing at one shot or the, compared to the next, that's going to change your impact. Right, right. And I'm that's what gonna, I, I was just about to say. The one thing I really like about the button is <laughs> I'll notice when I'm when I'm pulling and that release isn't going, I can like my brain will be like, Oh dude, you're not relaxing, you know? And then it's just like, relax, fire. I don't know. I feel like I've been able to get away with some nonsense of firing it differently shot to shot. And it's probably not the, the best thing. I know what you want is like a consistent uh, execution shot to shot, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I've been dude, ever since you, you told me about that goat, man, I've been hooked on it. <laughs> Dude, I love that thing. It's hard to get away from it. It's really yeah. hard to get away from it. That I still have probably... hinges. I still have the HPC you gave me, and I still have my, uh, I still have a a two finger HPC. Yeah, I dude, oh. I I can't get away from those HPCs. I I tell you what, that's probably the most comfortable hinge I've ever shot. Yeah, I really, I like them. I have I have a couple of the HT the HT brasses too. I yeah, I was playing. I've been playing with the one that you gave me. I, I like that one too. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, that's right. Just, I gave you one and, and didn't, uh, didn't you let Hobbs use it? Yeah. Cause he, Ben shoots like almost exclusively HTs. Like he doesn't, he's got all these releases, piles of them. And the only one he shoots is the HT. He's got two of the brass <laughs> ones. And then I just bought him another one of the new HT hybrids. <laughs> and then he badass. took and then he took my medium to try that one. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I bought him an HBC Flex and he's like, I like this thing, but I like my HT better. And it's Dude, been fun. Uh, so what what's the next event on the horizon for you? Uh I'd say Eugene next weekend. Oh yeah. How you so where do you rate um Oregon on your scale from hard to easy? Very hard. Yeah. Also, it's hard. I mean, there's some big dots and Eugene too. I mean, I've only shot it one time, but man, if I just remember anything, it's that everything had elevation. Yes. Like there are very few flat targets. 
Right. A lot of ups and a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of steep ups and steep downs. In a lot of steep uphill and downhill. There's one I just, you know, when I'm aiming at it, it feels like I'm pinching a nerve in my back. Oh yeah. Is it the, uh, is it the uphill, uh, stair? Was it like, yeah, it's like right. It's right before you shoot the purple elephant, the downhill. Uh (laughs) There's like, I think it's right before and you're shooting the one straight up and Uh it's like a 30 yard target. Exactly what it is. Yeah. It's right before that, that crazy 70 yard downhill elephant thing. Yeah. Oh man. That's one I remember like, Oh my gosh, just please fire because I can't hold my bow up any longer. (laughs) So are you going to take your hinge to that event? I'll take it. I, I'm still not convinced on which one I want to shoot. You know, I thought my t- shot timing would be a lot better than it was at Cougar Mountain, and I did do well. Uh-huh. Um, I just – I have some other stuff I got to figure out too. Like so, what, what have you been working on as of late? Uh, mainly just how to tune my bow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, it's like a never-ending thing, man. Yeah, I'm just waiting on a few more pieces, and uh, hopefully I can get it to tear something other than left. <laughs> what are you planning to do? For everyone out there that has the uh, left, the dreaded Hoyt left tear, what, what are you planning to do? I'm going to get a new cam. So are you going to do DCX cam? No, I have, an, I have another Invicta that I have DCX cams, and uh-huh. I am about a fraction away from putting that up. You know, uh-huh. setting that up and just shooting it. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's I don't know what's going on. I feel like the the bearing slots on the Hoyt cam that I have, they machined it a little bit too big, so there's might be a little slop in the bearings. Uh-huh, a little bit of play in the bearings. Mm-hmm. Instead of the bearing, you know, rotating around the axle, I feel like the bearing might be rotating in the cam. I don't know. Oh, just okay. Thought. Uh-huh. Um, but I've had this like inch and a half left hair that I haven't been able to get rid of. Damn! But you I shot it. you shot a nine twenty with that left hair. Yeah. And you shot a nine eighteen with the left hair. Yeah. See, it, so... I shot all my personal best scores with that horrendous left hair. <laughs> I, it's, I one of the things I've been doing on this podcast, Austin, is telling people like how to not super tuned, but how to do like the, I think the basics to be competitive. And mm-hmm. then usually right afterwards, I'll be like, eh, you don't really got to do all that shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Cause like you know, I, did this, um, I did the arrow, the super arrow building, you know, podcast. I had a couple people tell me like, Oh dude, you could have gone so much deeper than that. And I was like, where um, you go deeper than that? Like that's, I don't know. That, that's, that, that's, you know? that's off the deep end. <laughs> Oh, yeah. dude, while we're on the topic, why don't you tell everyone how you build your arrows? Well, so I start off by looking at what spine I need, and then do you do that I chop the friend or um, the eastern spine chart. Uh, it just depends on what's closer to me—the computer or the eastern book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, re- realistically, I work at the archery shop, so. You know, um, I'm back and forth between both uh-huh. so much. Um, but I do have Archer's Advantage, and I do like to use that because I, I like to tinker with numbers and figure uh-huh. out, okay, like if my draw length is exactly this, then what's my spine going to be like? And then put ch- try different point weights and, you know, add in the different knock 
uh, you know, not collars or not no collars or different pins or different right. and I play with all that stuff on there. Um, Do you shoot for optimum spine? No, I shoot for stiffer side of optimum. If not, like like right in between the yellow and green, uh-huh. or more towards the yellow. Okay, cool. I. Uh, do you care about FOC or anything like that? You know, I do think FOC has its purpose big time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, more Explain. so. Tell me what you think about FOC. There's Good. definitely too much FOC. Definitely too much FOC. You know, about, the, about too little. Definitely too little. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about too little. I mean, there there is a point you need you need front of center. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this story that I, I had. I bought this, uh, the first dozen Easton I bought, which is, they're a heavier shaft, uh-huh. granted. Uh, no, I'm, for hunting, I'm talking FOC, oh, okay. which for, just for the front of center purposes, this is a good example uh, for some people in the hunting world. A lot of people are have this fad for FOC right now. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, like for my arrow, I had very little FOC. I had like 9% FOC on this arrow that I had, maybe yeah, 10. Damn. Very light for what most people are trying to run right now. Uh-huh. And I, I shot a, a buck at 85 yards and never found the arrow. <laughs> it was zipped all the way through. <laughs> what kind of broadhead were you shooting? Rage. Oh, okay. I, I pretty much only shoot expandables at this point right about now, unless I have to shoot fixed blade. Damn. Really? Yeah, I just uh, built my hunting arrows. Now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll put rages on it. <laughs> there you go. I I so, love. I mean, they shoot they shoot so close to a field point. It's just unbeatable, and you know the cutting diameter on them. You know, yeah, it's, it's huge, awesome. But you know, so it, what do you think is too much FOC on a target arrow? You know, I think getting closer to the. I don't know, 17% is just too much. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. I just shot, I just built an arrow, or my, my buddy sent me some arrows. They were the Superdrive 19s, mm-hmm. and they had um, 90 grain points in them. Mm-hmm. And, dude, these arrows, I could not hit shit with 90 grain points in them. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just like, like FOC for that arrow should be roughly, I think, the way it's built, it's cut very short. And with that 90, 90 grain point, I think it's like 11%. And 11% is normally like pretty good for me. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. Maybe it's, I think I I'd say, I'd say like my, my sweet spot is like 13, 13%, 14%. Yeah. Uh-huh. On, uh huh. How long of an arrow you normally run them? I'm shooting like a 26 and three quarter inch arrow right now. Oh, whoa. So you cut your X10s almost to the limit. Yeah. You're like, like maybe a quarter inch from the limit, right? Yeah. They might be, yeah, they might be 27. They're pretty, they're pretty close. You know, on my 380, it's not as bad. Uh huh. Um, but I do like to cut them short. Um, so you know, Tate, Tate cuts them really short. Really? Oh, yeah. He cuts his because he runs his rest. Uh, behind the riser tech, uh huh. Um, so his are like extremely short. He's like, I don't know if yours would even fit on on your bow. I'd let you try them, but they'll Does probably fall Kate, off. Um, go past the cut limit? No, 
Um, okay. And he also be at like twenty six and a quarter, twenty six and a half. I I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. He he cuts. He he runs his X tens and cuts all of them off the back to the max that they cut off the back, and then he shortens uh-huh. all the front off. Whoa. So he, he basically, when you do that, you bump up an entire spine, I guess. So if he if you had three eighties and you cut all the back off, then he cuts three and a half inches off the back. Uh, Damn. Then you're basically in a three forty. Interesting. That's how he likes to run his. Okay. So, and you're shooting three eighties right now. Um. Yes, I'm shooting three eighties with a hundred and twenty gram point. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, I, uh, how do you build them, Austin? Do you do any of this wacky shit that I talk about? Uh, I have, I have before. Uh huh. Um, but right now, I look up what spine I need it to. I type in my length. Uh, let's say I'm at 27. I put it in the arrow saw. I cut it, stuff a point in. I run a wrap, and then I just run one degree helical, and I go shoot. Nice. And that's about as long as it takes me. <laughs> nice. That was my, my one argument against myself is that you can do all this shit to your arrows and the name of the game is still breaking shots in the middle. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, all night and all day you can make the world's perfect arrow, but if you can't break it in the middle, it's not going to do you any good. You know, Tate and I had a, had a talk on, on the way back from, from Idaho when we were driving back and I asked him, I was like, Tate, you know, all these people can go down this rabbit hole of doing all this arrow work. And, you know, I'm pretty lazy. I'm, I don't like to do all the arrow work anymore because when I've done it, I haven't noticed a single difference. Uh-huh. In my scores, you know, right. is it, is it actually worth it? He goes, you know, Austin, you, you definitely will notice a little more forgiveness on your arrows, but it's not going to make you shoot a better score. He goes, you'll catch more X's, but you're not going to catch more fives. Oh, that's, that's pretty legit. I like that explanation. Yeah. So he's like, you're not going to shoot any better. You'll just shoot more in the middle. Right. Right. That makes sense. And my whole theory on archery with this sport is as long as you're catching the orange, you're doing a damn good job. <laughs> you've spoken like a true safari shooter. You just got to <laughs> catch, you just got to catch the dot. <laughs> A, right. a, a half shaft in is as good as a dead center X. <laughs> That's true. It all reads the same on your scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, next time I shoot with you, I'm going to write on the side of the scorecard, like edgy. <laughs> <laughs> edgy. <laughs> I'm sure there won't be many of them though. <laughs> We're just going to, it'll either be scribe hole or edgy. Yeah. Scribe hole, dude. That's the, we got to get you like a, some some kind of signature series something that says scribe hole. Maybe we get your uh, release laser engraved like that. <laughs> so, dude, I got a question. Yeah, uh, it's come to my attention that more people than I thought are reserving their strings. Are you doing this? Ah, uh, you talking about like redoing your center serving or? Yeah, exactly. Redoing your center serving. I've done it before just to get the right knock fit, but. Uh-huh. The, the coolest part is for me, and I know not everybody has access to this or can do this. I have a really good friend. You, you know, Bob Thurman. Bob Thurman, yeah. Um, he's a super good buddy of mine, you know, from my dad shooting. I've pretty much grown up with Bob. Well, he got super, super into string building. Uh-huh. And Bob is very, very 
particular and critical on everything he does, which is awesome. And especially in my case, cause he, he just loves tinkering and everything has to be perfect and he wants to build the best string. So he's done all this research, bought all the string jigs and I honestly, he just likes building the string. So he'll build me a set and I'll give him my bow and he'll just take it home and take one of my arrows with it and just build a string for my arrow right at his house and then give it back to me. Oh, that's cool. So I don't have to do like most of the time I don't have to redo my center serving. I've done it on my Hoyt bow, my hunting bow and uh-huh. you know, other stuff I'm not happy with because I changed knocks so much on my hunting bow. Uh-huh. Um, but for my target bow, Bob's like, dude, just drop it by the house. We'll uh, bring me an arrow and, and I'll build you a string. And within three days it's done and it snaps on perfect. And he, you know, has done all the other stuff. And it's the coolest part is, is it's back exactly where I had it when I dropped it off. Like I could probably, as long as we didn't change string material too much, I could probably go out and hit the same dot at 50 yards. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'll take them off and measure the, the cables as they uh-huh. were on your bow and build them within like a 16th of an inch of the cable when he pulled it off and then he'll just put it back on. That's badass. Is, is uh Bobby's in is 452 X? Yeah. We've, we've played with a bunch of stuff. We've done X 99. We've done 454 X. We've done 452 X. We've done uh 99. Um, but right now we're playing with the 452 X as well. We're, we've, we're going to try bloodline. Yeah, bloodline but, looks pretty neat. Yeah. We're going to try bloodline, but, I don't, I don't think we're going to, we, we just, I, he's like, we, we did 454 and the guys from BCY are like 454 X is the same as 452 X. Uh-huh. Just get, uh, just get 452. The weirdest part that I found was, I guess Bob was listening to a podcast with Eric Griggs or some interview and Eric was saying he actually wants the 452 X blend with extra wax. Why? I guess it helps everything hold better. I it doesn't make sense to me, right? Because on but, your first hot day out, you're gonna lose all that wax. I, I I don't know, but I guess that's his way for building strings. Is what Bob was telling me. He was listening to this whole thing, and and Bob told me that when he gets his his strings, he orders them with extra wax in them. Oh, interesting. Do you know if Bob listens to this pod, podcast? Uh, I think so. Maybe. maybe my feelings won't be hurt if the answer is no. <laughs> I really don't. I really honestly don't know if he does. Or right, not. Well. I haven't talked to him in uh, a little bit. And when we have, it's been pretty, pretty brief. He just tells me about his hunting bow. He's been, he's been tinkering on it a lot lately. <laughs> well, he's got one. You, next time you talk to him, see if he's got some time to build one with some strings. Huh? Yeah, I dude, He'd be willing to totally. He's a sweetie. Yeah, he's uh he builds some strings for a lot of people out here, so um he'd totally be down to build you a set. Sick. All you gotta do is send him over the specs, and I guarantee when you get them, it's gonna be exactly what you told him to. That's awesome. I got he's, a little, I got a project bow in the works that I'm gonna try to yeah. mess around with in a little bit. Yeah, he's uh he's super super critical. I mean, if it's not perfect, if it's not a hundred percent perfect, he throws them away. So. Damn. Damn, I, I, would, I would take the throwaways too. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, um, okay, I got a couple questions for you, Austin, and then we'll jump, we'll dive back into bow stuff. 
but there's uh-huh. just I have like a list of questions that I want to ask everyone I interview. Yeah. And so the first one is how long have you been shooting? Uh, I've been shooting a bow since I was five years old, but doing the competitive stuff probably only five years because I think I started it when I was sixteen. Really, kind of uh-huh. getting target bow and trying to trying to shoot competitively. Right. I remember so. seeing you on the scene three years ago, and that's when you started like rattling everyone's cages and you started you know knocking people off during these indoor shoots and stuff yeah that was probably the the one time i shot that uh that cal expo really good oh yeah the cal expo too. i missed uh i missed two i missed two 12s and those were the only those were the only colored dots i missed dude i think the cal expo is what sealed it for me when i was doing all these this prophesizing about you because i think i shot <laughs> against you at the uh what was that that pacifica indoor shoot yeah and then i think didn't i shoot against you in the sacramento uh the wilderness indoor shoot uh yeah we shot we shot off together there too and then you went and smoked me and all my friends at the expo (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i didn't honestly the year before i shot better there than i did that year uh i the one thing I didn't, I didn't shoot. I wasn't getting along with the Invicta very well. That was the first really big shoot was the Cal Expo. I took my Invicta uh-huh. too because I remember I shot, I shot Bay Area Open with my Prevail, uh-huh. and then I shot, I got it like the next week or two weeks later, and I shot my Invicta at the Cal Expo, and I didn't get along with it well enough. I think I qualified like sixth uh-huh. in. Um, I qualified like sixth in the in the qualifying round, so I was sitting in sixth going into the shoot off, and um, I had learned from the year prior because I had I was over like second place by like eight or ten points. I don't remember. Uh, Brandon Williamson was like qualified seventh, and I just was I just remembered because I all I thought I was like all I have to do is hit twelves and or tens, and all I got to do I'll be clean. There's no way anybody's gonna catch me. And then he started shooting 14s and 14s and 14s and 14s and 14s. And next thing you know, he's like right on my tail. Yeah. Brandon puts some like stupid pressure on people at that game. Yeah. He just wasn't missing. So then all of a sudden he's one, one or two points up on me. I'm like, holy crap. And then I felt the pressure of like the, oh crap, I have to win towards the end. Uh-huh. And you started watching like me, I mean, me included, but all these other shooters that were sitting in second and third just start dropping because they're trying to chase the 14s and their pressure's getting to them. And they're shooting fives and shooting eights. And, uh-huh. you know, you watch them start dropping. And next thing you know, the people who are sitting in second are sitting in sixth, including that, me. That oh shit feeling starts creeping yeah, up on them. I had the nerves go and I, I went from second to, I think I finished in fifth. I went from second to fifth and I was like 10 points over second to start out with. Damn. So the next year going into it, I just remembered, I was like, all right, just, Shoot for your 12s and don't miss your 12s. And then we hit the 14s when you can. And uh-huh. so I just went through. And as these people got closer and closer to the end, they started missing them. And so I just start going up and going up and going up and going up. And I was still shooting like crap, but I just wasn't shooting eights and fives. Uh-huh. And next thing you know, I'm tied for second with Rubio. Did you guys go to uh, – did you guys shoot off for second? Yeah, we shot off for a second. He ended up beating me. We had to shoot – I think we had to shoot two times. Damn. 
and he beat me in the shoot off. He he hit one like dead center in the dot, and I think I touched the bottom of the dot. That damn Rubio. I know, dude. Don't underestimate him. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what he's that's what he's banking on. Yeah, he'll go shoot a nine twenty one at Nevada City. <laughs> dude, <laughs> um, do you plan to get your pro card soon? I actually am hoping to this next season have my pro card by Ve- before Vegas this year. Sweet, or next year. man. Sweet. So, you, know, uh, you don't need it for I, Vegas, but that's just your huh? benchmark. Yeah, I just want to have it just just to do it. You know, that's it's awesome, not dude. like like you said, you don't have to have it, but I'm going to shoot championship anyways. Uh huh. So it's not going to hurt me to not have it. Right. That's so awesome, dude. The the only thing I'm kind of concerned about, I haven't checked on it yet, but I heard you. I heard from somebody that you have to shoot a score now for your pro card. You do, and I'm fairly certain you've already qualified. Okay. What did, what did you shoot for um, the state field? Oh, dude, I don't even know. No? I, I tried think, to forget that weekend. I think for state field, if you shoot like a 540-something, 40, you'll you'll qualify. Okay. Well, it, I definitely did. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I think shooting like a like the five spot. I call it a Cincinnati five spot, but it's the it's the indoor nationals five spot. I think it's like fifty eight x three hundred. You can qualify. Oh wow! Yeah, it's it, the the bar has been lowered quite a bit, and that's not to like you know put down people that have gotten their card you know that way, but it's yeah. it's, it's it has gotten a little bit easier, but. Yeah. It really, to me, it doesn't really matter because, you know, just because you have your pro card, you're going to get ranked. You're going to be up there. You're going to have to shoot against everyone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of my, my goal is I I do want to have my pro card going into, into next season. That's great, dude. That's great. Oh, it's, it's just kind of more of a milestone, you know? Yeah, dude. And you're there, dude. You are shooting the scores. I'm, I'm definitely trying. It's just, uh, you know, you just got to keep on it and keep practicing, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just when you do go practice, you know, this to everyone else, when you do go practice, just make sure it's good practice. What do you consider good practice? You know, I I don't typically go out in the wind. You know, there's some people that are like, well, if you never practice in the wind, you're never going to shoot good, in, you know, if you have to deal with the wind. And to an yeah. extent, yes. But the wind doesn't help you practice with your form. It doesn't help you practice with your execution, and it definitely doesn't tell you about any impact or tuning imperfections in your bow. So when I go right. out and practice, it's definitely nicer weather. And when I'm making shots, whether it's only ten yards in my backyard or out of the range, I'm breaking good shot. You know, I'm having good shot execution. I'm really working on paying attention to certain things. And at the end of the day, hopefully, I've learned something or I've built my confidence. If your confidence is destroyed. Probably wasn't great practice. Right, right. Well, this is actually a, a really good point, dude. I, I thought that I always made the most improvements in my shooting after indoor season. And it's because mm-hmm. it's like I'm just shooting, just concentrating on my shot and not worrying about anything else, you know? Yeah, I think indoor is probably the best. I really think that it's under undervalued to a lot of people. Some people just hate indoor. I think it's some of the best practice even for outdoor because it, it gives you that, you know, when you're trying to shoot three hundreds, you have to have perfect form and you have to have the repetition. Right. The steadiest, 
you know, bit off of that repetition is going to cause you to miss the 10 or the X or whatever. So as you're doing that and you're shooting round after round after round after round, cause you can do that in indoor, you don't have to have some special range to be able to go shoot a hundred yards or 80 yards to practice. It's just 20, you know, you can, there's plenty of places you probably go shoot 20 yards. Oh yeah. And you can, you know, get this repetition down. So when you go outdoors, you've have this foundation of your form to build on. You know, yep. you, you've 100%. got your shot execution done and you know, you've got your stance where you like it and, yeah. All this stuff. Now you just need to work on maybe tweak your draw length a little bit for your up and downhill shots. Yeah, or your long shots, the super long shots. Yeah, just small, small, tiny. Yeah, small, tiny little stuff here and there. I remember my my friends were like, I, I did really good in Vegas one year, and then I was going to make a run at Shooter of the Year for NFA, and uh, my friends were like, "Oh well, dude, indoor doesn't translate to outdoor." And what I found was indoor definitely translate to outdoor. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. oh shit, that is wrong. <laughs> oh yeah. I uh I I rely on my indoor a lot when it starts going to outdoor. Like if I don't have a good indoor year, you can guarantee I'm not having a good outdoor year. Right. Dude, I am so excited to shoot against you indoor this season. I'm excited too. I, we haven't got to shoot together indoor in a year because of COVID. I know. You're gonna be you're gonna be coming out throwing even more heat than before i think rubio's gonna be uh you know rubio's also gearing up i don't know if he's like what exactly he's thinking for indoor but i know that he's got this thing in his mind where he's gonna be like the next senior pro like the guy that stands on keith trail's neck you know yeah i'm sure he's gonna come out guns blazing so it's gonna be a really competitive indoor season i hope he does i hope he does i really i'd enjoy that yeah yeah me too i I don't know. I, I always like seeing everyone during the indoor season too. It's, it's just a lot of fun. You know, I got, I got over one of my hurdles indoor, so I'm really excited for this next indoor season. What was your hurdle? I'd never shot a 300 in a competition. Oh, and you did it in Idaho, right? I shot two of them. I shot one in Washington and I shot one in Idaho. Damn. And, and you know, and that was last year was probably the least effort I put in indoor. Wow. Because there just wasn't any indoor shoots to go to, you know, it's right. hard to get yourself motivated. Yeah, that's right. All the, all the, uh, California indoor shoots were pretty much locked up. Yeah. But I mean, I, you can look, I, I usually shoot at Borac for indoor, uh-huh. you know, they're in Reading and you can watch my scores. They're like, it's like 328, 327, 325, 299, 26, 298, 21, 299. <laughs> it just gradually goes down. <laughs> I think it's still stapled there on the wall. I'm like, oh yeah, that was my. <laughs> I was only shooting about one day a week, and then uh, when Paige, uh, Paige or Tate texted me and said, "Hey, we're going to Washington." I think it was, I think it was Tate who texted me and said, "Hey, you want to go to Washington?" I was like, "Well, crap, I better shoot my bow." <laughs> and so I started shooting. You're up. And uh, it wasn't. It was by far from perfect, but I had more confidence going into it. And, Right. And keeping my uh my three hundred, not with great X count, you know, like twenty one X's, but uh I still got it. So it's kinda like getting over the nine hundred hurdle, you know, once you do it once. It's, you, uh, how often do you practice? Like say indoor season comes around, or even now, for example, like we've talked about good practice. How often do you practice? Uh that's the tricky part. I really don't practice all that much. Uh-huh. Um I shoot 
I try to shoot every day if I can uh-huh. uh, or every other day. And I just shoot like 40 arrows in my backyard at like 30 yards. Oh, right. And just consistently work on my follow through and my execution and, and all of that more of the fundamentals rather than just going out and testing my marks. Cause at the end of the day, your fundamentals are what's going to give you those, ex- those points. It's what you got to lean on. Yeah. I mean, you got to think you're only shooting two arrows and even the long distance targets. I mean, we go to the safari shoots, what there's maybe three that are over 70 yards. Right. Or at 70. The most right. of them are your mid middle range distances, 30 to 40. Those are your average targets. And so if I can work on my form and my fundamentals at home at 40 yards, that's all the practice I need. That's actually a really good point. A lot of them. You're going to come across 40 more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's my biggest, those are my biggest issues. Like almost on every course that I've shot a high score on all of my points have been missed at under 40 yards. Yeah. Ain't that a kicker, dude? I feel that too, man. I might miss one or two at the longer distance targets. It's usually the 30 and 40 yard distance targets that get me. Dude, the and team the team money event in Reading, man, you and me, we dropped a point on I think it was like 43 yards or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Those those are the ones and then um you know, we dropped a couple on the longer distance targets, the ones that are harder, but That's true. Majority of the ones that I that, you know, even I missed at Reading were like 40 yards and under. Uh-huh. You know, I was just like, oh, come on. Yeah, well, next year will be different. Next year we're going to we're going to clean it. We're going to smoke that. Yeah. We're we're both going to shoot individual clean scores to have to go into the <laughs> <laughs> so, Dude, okay, back to I uh, hope I'm not jumping around too much. I have so many questions for you, Austin. Yeah, you can go ahead and ask them. Uh, do you run your draw length long or short? Uh, like, does that make sense? Like, I, I always figure people have their draw length and then they err on the side of like a little short so they can like break their shots harder or that a little long so they got like a little slower float, you know? I do tend to run outdoor a little on the sh- not, not way too short, but I do run it on the shorter side. Uh huh. Um, it all depends on different things, you know, even what release I'm shooting for the day is depending on how i like it you know uh-huh like if the head's a little longer then i might want it you know right a little on the longer side uh-huh uh, if the release head's shorter i might want it on the little shorter side so i imagine so you have it a little on the short side which means in my mind it means you're going to be pulling like exceptionally hard into the wall yeah and then you said you're running your release colder than most on my hinge. Yeah. My button is hair trigger. My hinge is slower than molasses. Mm-hmm. I dude, I run the, after you adjusted my goat release, dude, I've, I've just committed to like learning how to shoot that thing. And it's, I, like, I, I still shoot it like a hinge. It's really strange. I remember I used to hear people say that and I'd be like, nah, but it really does. It, it's like shooting a hinge, um, gently. Yeah, I guess that's what pretty I much, call it. That's pretty much the way I, you know, that's that's the way I've kind of explained to a lot of people too. Is I shoot it exactly the same way, relaxed on my front, on my pointer finger, and I got more tension on my back, my back fingers, uh-huh. and just pull until it goes off. And yeah, 
Yeah. It's it's just like a better holding hand. So you're running your release cold. So I just I, I imagine you just like hang it like um what's the word? You probably just I remember you telling me about how you did a lot of blank bailing and that got yeah. you real comfortable with just like hanging out in your shot while you're engaging. Yep. So you, 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 that's the program you're running, like a, a relatively long, like, oh man, me and Emerson used to call this the runway. The second that you take your thumb off the peg and you start engaging, right? From the beginning of that engagement to the shot breaking or even the follow through, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, the runway. It's, it's sort of like that. Cause yeah, as soon as I come to full draw, my thumb's already off and my hands, my hands going towards that anchor. So I just naturally like subconsciously I actually pivot that the release before I even touch my face with it. Oh, okay. And so I'm like presetting. I used to call it the mental click <laughs> and that was just my starting point. So I had it like a super, super consistent shot timing when I used to shoot no click uh-huh. and it just got to the point where like subconsciously I just <laughs> rotate the release going into my anchor and that would be the starting and then I'd relax and then I'd go through my shot. And that was just from all the blank bailing. I learned how to shoot it slow right, and make right. it go faster. Cause I can almost, you could hand me any release with different speeds and the first shot might either, you know, go off in my face or whatever, but uh, you know, give me a dozen shots and I'll have the, the, a close to the same shot timing as I usually have. Right. You'll get that timing. Back just, pretty quick. Just make it happen. And that's kind of that, that mental click if you want if you want to call it that your brain will physically remember where the starting point was on your release and force you to change it to make that happen to where you're comfortable do you see yourself going back to no click anytime or are you pretty oh, happy no with click. the click i love no click i would i would totally like to go to no click i even uh tate said he thinks that a no click is the more accurate way to shoot a hinge I, I would have to agree with him. I really like shooting no click, but um, it I gives you like, one less thing to think about. Yeah, it's one less thing to think about. And it's also like once your thumb is off the peg and you're going, it's like a nice like beginning to finish. Oh, man, I don't know what the word is, but it's just like it's like deliberate. You know, there's no I, th- I feel like with with a click in your mind or with a click, there's always this like, oh, maybe kind of thing popping in and and it's not saying that about you because obviously you just destroyed with shooting a click so i think yeah. for, for me personally i feel like with no click when that thumbs off the peg and you're going it is a deliberate like confident shot if that makes sense yeah i tried to you know the thing about it is is click can either be your best friend or your worst enemy you're using <laughs> it properly and you can handle it you know, it works because that's your starting point. It's a, it's a confirmation, bam, you're in the right spot Uh huh. where it will hurt you is, you know, you're in the spot and the pressure's on. And so as soon as that click happens, your hand goes and just yeah. tightens up and, <laughs> or it clicks, and you can't like, fire it because it's holding so good. And you're like, Hey, no, it's right there. Just, Oh my gosh, it's right there. Just let it, just let it go. And next thing you know, you've been holding for 30 seconds and you shoot it in the blue, you know, right. or, you know, the no click, you know, that I, I tried to shoot the click like for half a round at Vegas and it just blew up in my face. You can't uh-huh. like, for me, I could not handle the pressure of Vegas with a click. 
There was just no way at the time I tried it. Um, and so I don't even count that as me trying to click. I just tried it for like half and I was like, nope, screw this. This is the devil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was horrible. But with the no click, it's, it's just you and the target at all times. There's no stop. There's no anything. It's just right. You right. and the target at all times and just aiming and just putting the pin in the middle. And it's just, that's it. That's all you do. Right. Until it goes I, off. I would agree with you hundred percent on that. And that's why when I, when I shot the hinge, I shot it that way. And I, I very much became like a, like religiously like all about it that way. But then I'm, now I'm shooting the button and I'm like super religious about the button too. I like the button, you know. I I was skeptical going to the button. I was scared that my target panic was all going to come flying back towards me, and uh, it never did. Dude, you um, crushed the with the button. button. I think you, that's you shot the nine twenty with the goat, right? Yeah, it's it's so hard to go away from it because I've shot all my best scores, but it's like I don't know. It's it's like I wouldn't say it's like poison, but it's like something that you, that you really really like that you shouldn't. You know, that I feel like I, I want to get away from, but I can't, you know, I'm like, oh, I just want to shoot my hinge, but oh, look at that goat there. Oh, I just can't, well, I can't help myself. Dude, I think switching releases, like, uh, within reason is a good thing because yeah. it keeps your brain actively looking at how you want to execute. Yeah. It, and it, it kind of blocks out some, you know, other mental bullshit sometimes. It definitely can be. I think the most important part is to be able to go back to the aspects and remember how the pulling through works. Because sometimes on your button, or on my button at least, I catch myself a lot of times not actually pulling. You know, uh-huh. I've almost forgot how to pull with it at some points. Right, because you're being so gentle on it, right? Yeah, you're just being gentle and you know, with me having my release set super hot, it doesn't take a lot, you know? Right. So it's almost like the faster I make my release, the slower my shot goes yeah. and the less I pull, you know, it, it's like counterintuitive. Right. And, and you forget that aspect where when I go back to a hinge and I shoot it good for like just a dozen shots, I go to pick my button back up and it's like, you know, like I breathe on it and the thing goes off because right. I'm actually pulling. Yeah. I'm doing the right thing. So yeah. I think it's good in that aspect to go back to your root, to the roots, especially if you have correctly trained yourself how to shoot back tension to go back. And I was just rebuild. about to say the fact that you're shooting your hinge cold means that, you know, you're comfortable in letting that hand relax and move. Yeah. Because um, when I shoot a hinge, dude, I've, that's how I started. I started with a cold release and, you know, relaxing the hand to shoot and, over time, I ended up speeding that release up little by little until, like, present day, I shoot with a crap ton of tension in my hand. And it's like, you know, that release barely moves and I'm pulling the shit out of it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's it's very important that, you, like, what you just said, that you shoot your back tension properly. Yeah. It's just, it's good reinforcement for getting that shot execution down and, and going back to the roots and trying to relearn how to shoot with your back rather than just relaxing on the back wall. Yeah. Yeah. So dude. Okay. Another question about your setup, Mm -hmm. the weights, are you still running a ton of weight on your bars? 
Yeah, I think I've got close to 30. I think it's 28 on the back or 30 on the back, and I've got 16 or 18 on the front. Damn. It's quite a bit. Uh, so I tried, I tried pulling a lot off, but it didn't work. I'm slowly trying to work my way back up to shooting more weights on, on my bars, but you know, I'm, I'm changing so many diapers right now that I'm, I think I'm at like <laughs> five and five right now. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a piss poor amount of weight. <laughs> yeah. But um, what do you feel like you put 28 ounces on the back and something about 18 on the front. I understand 18 on the front because that pin is going to move very little. It's going to slow that pin flow down quite a bit. It's going to allow yeah. you to be aggressive and you're not going to see much, but why do you do 28 in the back? What do you get out of that? You know, I just, it's kind of weird. I, I use it a lot as leverage. Uh-huh. Um, so like, I feel like my front, even though it gives me less, less pin movement, it still wants to drag me down. And so when I'm overweighted on the back, it wants to help me pick that front end up uh-huh. a little you, bit more. You can counter dipping at the bottom. Yeah. So a lot of like my, a lot of my theory back bar, you're up and down your front bars, a lot of your left and right. Oh, that's a good one. Pork. So if I'm having issues with my up and down, all of it's in my back bar, whether I play with the bar angle or I play with my weights that's a lot of my up and down. So if I'm dipping or bobbing up and down and it's all vertical adjustments, that's all my back bar. And I, twe- I tweak that until it stops. Or if I'm having a lot of this side to side in my hand move in my grip or, you know, my sight, I just load up the front. Do you um, attack bar angle first or do you like, how, how would you go about like, Say you're getting a, you know, you're dipping, uh, say you're hanging out X and you go down to like low 10, maybe slightly out nine. And then you go back to 10 or X. Do you, do you just go to bar angle first or do you add some no, weight? I, I go to weights mainly because as I shoot more and more, my bow begins to feel way lighter. Uh-huh. And so I can, I can pick up on that, whether it's actually my bar angles, the issue or my bow is just simply too light for, for what I need now. So I'll throw the weight on it. But if, if I automatically get this feedback, like, oh my gosh, just the mass weight is way too heavy and it doesn't actually fix the problem. Then I'll just pull it off and play with my, with my angle on my back bar. Right. But for the most part, it's usually just because I've been shooting so much that I've built up enough muscles. Yeah, I can just run them, and and it doesn't hurt me. You know, it's like okay, just add on an extra ounce here or extra two ounces, and play with that. And you know, that usually fixes a lot of my issues. But if I if I know I can't handle the weight anymore, um, or I can't, I know I can't handle any extra weight, but my bow is floating all over the place. I'll just lower my bar just a couple degrees. And that'll make my front end seem a little heavier or, you know, if I'm dipping out the bottom and it feels like I can't pick it up, but it only gets worse if I add weights, then I'll just move my bar angle up a couple degrees. Sweet. I feel like a lot of people that disagreed with my, or like came, came across like some issues. I did a whole podcast about like how I set up stabilizers. Mm -hmm. I feel like what you said will bridge like what I, you know, maybe people that didn't agree with how I, describe that people can look at what you said and be like okay that makes more sense to me you know stabilizer honestly like just 
absolutely personal preference. I've shot with like 36s. I've shot with 33s. I've shot with 32s. I've shot with 30s. You know. Yeah. Everybody's got very... the one that they would like. Right. Right. I would agree. So, and and the shorter the bar, the more weight you got to run. The longer the bar, the less weight you got to run. Yes. I agree. But it's all long the longer you go, you also got to remember the weaker your bar is. So if you want to get to the high weight, you just simply can't handle it if you have a 36 inch bar. Right. Cause it'll get super uh, wobbly, right? Yep. So I used to, I actually had some conquest pro 500s. They sent me to try out uh-huh. and the pro 500s is their stiffest line. But when I got over 10 ounces on the front, it actually would literally sh- rattle pieces off of my bow like i had during last year's state field i had my rest bolt rattle out i had my <laughs> scope fall off my bow like six times last year uh, i had like these screws coming out where i was just like what the hell is going on here and it was it was literally just the bar was wobbling so much damn it, how long was that bar? uh 30 i had it ordered a 33 same oh, as my okay. same as my uh my carbon craft. Oh, there you go, Adam. Free plug. Carbon craft beats uh, conquest. Bang! I'm t- the first time I ever uh, tried Adam's bars. Uh, you know, I shot my best score, and I definitely noticed the hold difference. Yeah, for sure. Just being a lot stiffer. Definitely a lot stiffer. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like the the lighter bars tend to hold a little better. It doesn't. And even Tate was noticing this too, a little bit um, is the lighter bars allow a little flex. So if you have a little movement in your hand or like you shake a little bit, it'll actually show less on your sight picture. If you have a little bit of flex in there. Yep. If you run a little weaker and that's why Jesse runs those. uh, Yeah. Because it doesn't, it'll actually, let that weight stay in one place. No, oh, that makes sense. I really so, liked Eastern Conquest bars, and those had just a little bit of had just a little bit of flex. Yeah, Ben just got those new. Uh, what are they? The Halon bars? Or... Yeah, Halcyons. Halcyons. Yeah, the, he just got a set of those. Those ones are pretty cool. They're they're a tapered bar like that too. Not as much as the contours were, but no shit. Yeah, they're cool. that. yeah, they look they're they're definitely a little tapered, if I remember That's correctly. Cool. But they're good bars. I, uh, I've just been happy with Adams. I've been running them for a couple of years now. Just have too. Me too. Very happy. Adam's saying that he's he's got something top secret in the pipeline right now. Yeah, I hope. I hope so. I, I bet. Uh, well, he better know. I'll be one of the first ones trying to get a hold of him for. <laughs> well, if he's smart, he'll tell you first, man. <laughs> well, hey, Austin, we're coming up on an hour right here. Uh, I really appreciate the. Uh, the interview man i have so many more questions for you so if you're cool i'd like to i'll I'll call you in like a a week or two and maybe we'll do another one yeah we'll get another one i know um i talked to a couple people that wanted to talk about archery shop stuff and how it's uh how it's like working in archery shop and the archery industry and the shop perspective oh sweet that's cool too so that'd be be some cool stuff to talk about but there's you know there's always some stuff to talk about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well thanks a lot dude i really appreciate it austin yeah thanks for having me on i uh i really enjoyed it it's, hey, dude, it's always good, good luck time. In Oregon, man again no pressure but my money's on you yeah uh, well 
we'll we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna try my new setup method, and we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, hell yeah, brother. So right, have a good night, man. Thanks a lot. You too. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of, a lot of fun. All right, bud. All right, take Talk it easy. Later. Bye.